Canuck Central postgame show. Breezeball about to be let out of the box, but there's a chance in front, and the Kraken score. Top of the crease, Casey DeSmith couldn't hold it out as the pass came quickly out of the left corner. Off the right wing. Was cutting down the boards, couldn't settle a pass, doubles back to the line. Left side, Susie wrist shot, tip, they score! Instant reaction from the players and coaches. Squirts free to the right circle. Flurry with a shot, big rebound, Tolvanen scores! Casey DeSmith made the initial save, but Ellie Tolvanen was wide open at the left circle. Hammers his third of the preseason against the Canucks into the back of the net. And Seattle leads again, it's 2-1. On the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 2-1 at the Abbotsford Center and have one preseason game remaining. This is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar. Get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber Tax and Inbox 650-650. Any thoughts you have, any questions you have about what happened here in Abbotsford. Canucks out shooting the Seattle Kraken 23-15, but ultimately they end up losing. We're going to bring in Dan Richo into the conversation conversation in just a moment. But Vic, it's one of those games where the Canucks didn't dress their best lineup, of course, right? Mm-hmm. There was no Pedersen, no Hughes, no Miller, no Demko, none of the core four players. like no, None of the real foundational players in the roster here tonight. But nonetheless, they had a decent roster out there. And what did you make of how they performed in terms of their team style of play here in Abbotsford? I'm less concerned about the process. Now the result, you know, the process is supposed to lead to results. But you look, and it's it's two one against a inferior lineup. But given what we saw last year, like I think about the Calgary game when Calgary sent a inferior lineup to Vancouver and they beat them, and it it didn't even look encouraging from Vancouver's performance, and the result was well justified. This one, you know, I can make a claim here: Canucks probably should have won. But I, I'm less concerned about this result. It leads to a bigger conversation that I think we're going to get to later on in the postgame show of how many of these players here tonight were driver-type players. I know we're talking about the guys that they were missing, but still, you'd like to see someone consistently drive play here tonight, and we didn't really see that. No, But overall... I'm less concerned about this performance and what we've seen earlier in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, no doubt about that. Let, let's bring in Dan Richo into this discussion. And, Dan, like, wh- what do you make of the the performance and the result here at Abbotsford? Uh, well, it was the uh, penultimate preseason game. Uh, there we go. I was waiting for it. Did you guys keep a counter? <laughs> we did not, no. Cam, did you keep a counter of how many times he said penultimate? I'm no? sure Matt no? in northern right. Idaho uh, was keeping a, ca- a counter listening on the uh, Sirius XM NHL radio network. Um, the The performance was underwhelming in, in a lot of ways. I think you can point to a few individual performances and say, yeah, okay, Cole McWard, I saw some things like played yeah. with some confidence away from from Quinn Hughes, uh, Philip Peronik, we saw him kick it up a notch a couple of times in the third period, and it, it almost seemingly like he wasn't playing at his uh, regular season game speed for a lot of this mm. one. But you know, in a game where you still like the Canucks are going to need a lot out of Andre Kuzmenko and, and Brock Besser, and for both of them tonight, I was just like, where where was it? Yeah. I- now, the, the ones I was focused on were, like, the guys that were competing for spots, right? right. It, it is the, the, the Kuzmenkos, as you mentioned, the Bovilliers. And, hey, I guess they're more, like, you know, NHL vets. I don't know yeah. if Kuzmenko's really an NHL vet, but 
He looked more uh, more interested in wowing the crowd here in Abbotsford he really did, than, yeah. than, you know, actually getting things done sometimes. Yeah, I think that. And also, I think some of those vets were, it was more about putting a shift in yes. for the game here tonight. It so, was yeah. like, you know, it's, hey, this is not our dress rehearsal, but let's play with enough but not really pushing, whereas a lot of the Seattle players, even though it was an inferior lineup, a lot of them were playing with a lot of intensity. You saw their forecheck was aggressive. They were playing with speed. They weren't very good, but they were were playing still with a lot of intensity and speed, and a lot of the Canucks players, the veterans, just didn't match that. And I'm not going to be mad about that in in preseason, but I get what you're saying in terms of it wasn't really a good stand-up performance by any of the Canucks stars here tonight. I mean, Hironik, I think, was the the guy who took on the game the most. Uh, He had a couple puck management decisions. Suter, I think, was okay. Yeah. Suter was poor. But, I mean, I think Hronik was the guy that was at least the most active in the game. And yeah. he made some mistakes. But, I, I mean, well, at, least, at least after the first going. period, I thought he was really strong. I mean, that yeah. shift he and uh, the fourth line, essentially the, the Abbotsford guys he was out there for in, in this third period, I mean, that was just a next-level shift from, from Philip Hronik. His vision in the offensive zone, yeah. the way he was sort of dictating and uh, creating the movement, helping the movement along with his teammates. and It just it just oozed confidence and oozed a uh, star-level player, uh, at least for that shift. And you see it on a different few occasions from, from Philip Hronik. But, look, I... I've been worried all summer about this team's secondary scoring, and it's kind of been a theme through preseason here as well. In the games where, outside of Saturday, where they scored a few power play goals and they ended up with five on the night, you know, we haven't really seen anybody step up and show that, as Bick mentioned, who's a driver, who's a guy that we can rely on to be a little bit of a secondary support to our main offense. If you were looking for that tonight, the person I was looking at was Besser. Yeah. But given what we saw on... Saturday, it just looked like a different tempo. So yeah. I can understand, hey, NHL vet, I get it. Now, maybe a little uh, salty, they had to come up to Abbotsford <laughs> to play the game. I, I'm sure there's some people that are like, hey, man, we're focused on the start of the season. It's just what happens in preseason. Okay? Yeah. Not every vet is going 100%. But he, he looked like there was some pop to his game against Edmonton. So, hey, we'll put a pin in it, see what it looks like against Calgary coming up on Friday, see what it looks like on, on October 11th. He's not someone that's fighting for a spot. He knows not only 100%. that he's on the team, but he knows where he's playing okay. specifically. Okay, so then look at somebody like Nils Hoagland. Yes. And how, how did he play tonight? There was maybe a couple of shifts where I... I, I liked him in the first 40 minutes. The yeah. third, I didn't notice him as much. But the first 40 minutes, if we're talking about him versus Joshua... Nils Hoaglander won that competition. There, there's still some moments in the defensive zone. It's like a simple thing, but, sure, but I'm really focused on it. Can, when the puck comes around, Nils Hoaglander in the defensive zone, is he going to help help it get out? Is Dakota Joshua right now? No. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Like I, I'm with you. Like The best version of Dakota Joshua is a big body that can do all those things you're about to talk about. Have we seen it through the preseason? I haven't. So, no. so how are you going to credibly put him ahead of... Nils Hoaglander. And yeah. I've even been the one that's like, I don't know about Nils Hoaglander, but against Dakota Joshua, he's, he's got the lead right now. And yeah. it's not even like photo finish. I think he's ahead, cleanly. Uh, I think so, too. And that's not something I was expecting, to be honest. Now, it comes down to ultimately how they want to play their roster, right? And and one thing that Talkett has made pretty clear is he would prefer to go with Oman, Bluger, and Stadnika. I thought Oman was fine. Did you? Did we notice Stadnika much? I mean, is there a chance that Josh? I mean, Josh was not even playing well well enough to me to be like, well, maybe he can unseat Oman. Maybe he can unseat Stadnika. Even though those guys, I don't think were particularly good tonight either in terms yeah. of really being overly aggressive and winning enough. I mean, they weren't. It wasn't like they weren't aggressive. They just didn't impact the game really in any sort of way. They didn't. You know, you see somebody on 
Like Kyler Yamamoto on the other side. Right. You know, he's getting in hard on the forecheck and knocking down Tyler Myers uh, on the forecheck. And in Seattle, it just, like what Rick Tockett, to a similar, like, what are some traits that Seattle has as a team that the Canucks would like to emulate? Speed. And what speed is definitely one that they don't have. But doesn't matter who you have in the lineup, your team is going to play the same way. Yeah. And I know every NHL team would like to replicate that, but every time I watch the Kraken, it's like I know what I'm going to get. It doesn't matter what number it is or you know what name is on the back of the jersey. They play pretty much the same way no matter who is in the lineup. And I I think, you know, Rick Tockett would like to see more of that from the Canucks, a more consistent effort getting in on the forecheck from a guy like Stud Nika who has shown it all preseason, but yeah, was mostly um, invisible tonight, for lack of a better term. It's just, th- those are the kinds of things that you want to see more of from a lot of the Canucks depth players that we're just not seeing enough of consistently. Yeah, and that's the, that, that's the thing that stood out to me. Some guys had a decent night. We are going to get to a couple of positives because I do think uh, there was a certain defenseman who's been a p- pretty big topic who acquitted himself well here tonight, especially getting, getting to see him pretty close up here. It's not a doomsday affair here in, uh, in no. Oxford. No, 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 it, it's not. But at the it same is a time, loss. We're going to talk about how they came no, to the a only, loss. No, exactly. But one thing I will say, like in terms of what the Canucks of what their identity is going to be, clearly there are things they have to add mm-hmm. to it. But one thing that I am noticing, I mean, and forget about the first loss, the 10 nothing loss. But generally speaking, we're not seeing people try to do somebody else's job on the ice. As much as they're inviting pressure at times, as much as they get hemmed in, you're not seeing them get out of position too often. They do a good job with their rotations. They're boxing out well. There's no leaping out to do they're something not, you're not equipped to do. They're well, defending the, the, well. Yeah, the first period, I mean, they, they spent a lot of time in their own yes. end, but Seattle only ended up with two shots on goal. Seattle had 15 shots on the night. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like Seattle was, yep. you know, all over Vancouver. I thought on the first was Vancouver's toughest period because I thought they had a real hard time handling the forecheck Seattle yep. had. They had a hard time getting out of their own zone. They did adjust and, and get better with it, but Seattle didn't create much like it was a handful of chances here and there that no whatever they chances they may have gotten there was a deflected you know stick on it a deflection not nothing clean in the no. first period for the crack and it can still get better there's things you know mistakes and everything that happened but I, I will give them credit generally the last little bit here outside that first game like they look like a fairly well-structured team that defends decently in their, in their own zone like they've done that well the forecheck has to get better they have to get more aggressive We'll see with a full full lineup on Friday, obviously. But I think that's at least a theme that is developing. The question that's going to become, though, is at what point is there an evolution? Yeah. Right? Is it, can you play this way till game 15? Right. Game 25? 35? Obviously, success is going to determine if you stick with it and move beyond. But even generating offense from this way, you mentioned it. Hey, what's the... the, The attribute that Seattle has that Vancouver doesn't. If you're going to play this tight way, you need speed at some point to threaten vertically and start getting some goals. And if you don't have that, there becomes such a reliance on the power play. And if that doesn't click at 25% and you go through bits of time where where you're not scoring at all, this team is going to be hard-pressed to score goals. And so... Is there ever an evolution at point at some point? Say, hey, we can't be this disciplined because again, the, the, the defensive side of it, 
I'm not concerned. Once Thatcher Demko gets in there, I think we'll see the goals against suddenly decrease from where they were. But it's going to be a lot of white knuckling some nights of like, yeah. where are the goals going to come from? And here's another 2-1 game. Well, the breakouts need to be cleaner. And, and hey, they, they always seem to struggle against Seattle on their on their breakouts. And a lot of teams do and mm-hmm. have over the last year. But um, I thought their second period was their best period. And, you know, one of the things that they started to do a little bit more consistently is, you know, get a pass through the neutral zone, have somebody tip it into the offensive end where there's already a player streaking in so that they're able to get onto it and create a turnover or at least get onto it so that there is a chance to win a board battle. But too often tonight, you know, it was just a clean retrieval for yeah. Seattle and an easy exit out of their own end whenever there was a dump in. And that's that's something that, that needs to be cleaned up and you need to see more consistently. Somebody, you know, in there on the forecheck and at least creating some kind of havoc for, for the Canucks. Yeah, and, you know, Reach, before we let you go here, let's focus in on that battle on the blue line. And it really hasn't been much of a battle. It's been one player who's clearly been preferred by the coaching staff and is maybe the guy who was most unlikely to claim a spot, really, when you went through yeah. the list of available players vying for not only making the team but playing every night and then having the luxury of starting in the penthouse suite alongside Quinn Hughes. And that's Cole McWard. And I yeah. thought, you know, I was waiting for not a moment, but watching him and saying, okay, do I see some real NHL regular season game situations where he can handle it and he looks like he can do it decently? Because I didn't see enough of that, right? It's like, yeah, you're playing with Quinn. You're doing okay. Like, great. But, but let's see you in situations where you are going to face pressure. You don't have Quinn next to you. And I thought any moment he faced, more, like, he, he handled well. Like, I was really impressed with how clean his game was tonight, Reach. Yeah, he was he was pretty good. You know, confident yeah. is one thing that I think uh, stood out for me with, with Cole McWard. Even, you know, some plays in the offensive zone where he was confident uh, to, to make a pass and, and do some of those things. Yeah, there was the odd turnover that wasn't the yeah. greatest. Uh, there was one in the third period where he just kind of was when it was four on four and he just kind of backhand flipped it towards the, uh, the 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 blue line in the defensive zone and it created a turnover and a chance for Seattle. But you couldn't ask for much more out of her, uh, out of Cole McWard. Mostly clean tonight. They were obviously confident enough in him to play him on his offside for a few shifts with Tyler Myers at different points yeah. of the game. So there was there was a lot to like with Cole McWard and I just you know, it's pretty obvious with, with Juleson staying with the group in Vancouver today, uh, Jet Wu already being sent down, Philip Johansson yeah. as well. I mean, he's one of the four right-shot defensemen that's going to break camp with this team right now unless there's a move to be made in the next week. Yeah, no, no question about that. And we'll see all, ultimately if that does happen. Nobody was picked off waivers today. and. Well, there'll be more players on waivers, and there's still a few days to go before the season starts, so we'll see ultimately what happens. Reach, great stuff. Uh, I'll chat with you tomorrow on Canuck Central. Sounds good. See you, fellas. You got it. Uh, that's Dan Riccio. You can keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, after a 2-1 Canucks loss here in Abbotsford against the Seattle Kraken. And, you know, building off that discussion about Cole McWardbeck, I think that was really the biggest topic of conversation going into this game, because as much as we're talking about Hoaglander and Joshua, I mean, they're both on the team. Mm-hmm. As much as we talk about Oman and Studnik, even those guys are you know, clearly going to make the roster to begin the season. It's really about the defense and, and who's going to stick. And, I mean, at this point, I, I, even 24 hours ago, I'd say 12 hours ago, if you asked me what my confidence was in Cole McWard starting game one, I'd say maybe pretty low. It's considerably stronger 
Is Kasiri stronger after watching this performance here tonight? Because I don't, I don't see any reason after everything we've seen and how they've played the situation that he wouldn't get a chance to play again on Friday. No, for sure. That was the most encouraging performance for Cole McWard uh, so far this preseason for me. Just because you saw a lot of elements... Uh, in his passing ability, and look, we, we you know like that's the strength of his game. He can uh, join the rush, and we, we mentioned a play in the second intermission where he jumped in. But if he's going to be a, a puck mover, I, I just hadn't seen enough in preseason. But yeah. tonight, hey, he was on it. And, and were there a couple of moments? Yeah, look, he's a young player. You're going to see he's not going to be ten for ten. Yeah. But if you wanted a, a decent performance tonight and something that shows, okay, this is who you are. This is how you play the game. Uh, I thought he imprinted his personality into the game today. And again, I, I look at that pass. I know we talked about it. Though this in his own zone, it was a very acute angle. And I thought, hey, this is a risky play if you're going to try it. Yeah. But it was a bank pass from behind the net, and it wasn't like bank all the way out into the neutral zone. It, it was, was banked to another guy. It, it was banked to Hoaglander, who I think was maybe a. a between the hash marks and the top of the circle. So just think about how sharp that angle has to be yeah. around someone. It was like the pool move where you bank it off yeah, and, yeah. And, you, and, and you hit the the eight ball into the side pocket kind of move. And, it was, again, it was a really sharp angle, pulled it off perfectly, and it was it was Hoagland that kind of bobbled it but got the puck out of the zone. But it was one of those that's like, okay, you got some confidence and you, and you, you got the – the vision to see a play like that rather than just the hard rim out the board. So, I, I like, that was the play. He made a bunch of others. But that was the one I looked at, and I was like, okay, well, there's know, something there. And, you know, the coaches obviously see something, and they probably, they've seen things in practice and you know, how dealing with them every day. And we, we, sometimes we wait to see it, and I think these are the moments where, like, okay, now I start to get it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I start to get, like, what you're seeing here. And ultimately, I think the ideal decision would be to send him to Abbotsford. I mean, he needs games. He's played five NHL yeah. games, and that's the only pro games he's played after spending seven. He's played 75 games in two years at the NCAA level. I mean, hey, maybe he is ready to excel, but I also wonder how much that is to ask of somebody, especially when your stated goal as an organization is to give guys ample time and really let them develop as players. Because McWhort might step in and be able to caddy for a little bit, but. Is it is he better? Is it better for him to play seventeen, no, seventeen, like thirteen, fourteen minutes in the NHL for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty games this year, or for him to come to Abbotsford and play twenty, twenty-two minutes a game in every situation and really grow a bit more of his game? He's only twenty-two years old. Like I said, only two years in, at the NCAA level. Like he's showing this much poise now. Don't you want him to really explore his game a bit more before you take him to this level? That that's how I would view mm-hmm. it, but. You know, it clearly is also a situation where he is your best option. And this is the situation this team found itself in many years ago with Niels Hoaglander, many years ago mm-hmm. with Vasily Putkolzin, where ideally you'd like to send him down, but they're your best option. And in hindsight, the best option probably should have still been to be long, think long-term and send the guy down, let him play. Maybe it's different in this situation, but it's just one of those things where that's the only thing I'm, I'm concerned about with McWhorter at this stage because I, I do think based on what we've seen he can easily play 13-14 minutes okay let me put it this way is either a bad option because you know, in, in one regard you say hey this guy's playing NHL minutes we feel comfortable right and the other one you say go develop your game we're really excited about you just wait to see how, how excited we are a year from now right Right, so th- you can play it out, and we've mentioned hey, this is their mo, this is their philosophy. You come into our environment, work with us, listen to us, and we will push your game to another level. And so, if there's actual excitement 
about this player. Just say, hey, just, just have a little faith. Yeah. Play in all these roles at the AHL level. You'll play 22-plus. You know, get all those opportunities and see what you look like by February, March, into next training camp. Go have another, quote-unquote, big summer. So in the here and now, I know we're trying to say, like, hey, what does it game one look like? You know, from a management perspective, you're looking at game one next season. You're looking at game one in 2025 as well and develop the plan that is best for the player. I can see a reality where it's like, okay, it, it does make sense to go uh, down to the AHL again, but we're sending you because it's, it's what's best for you and what's best for us years from now, not October 11th versus the Edmonton Oilers, Oilers right? And so I, I would understand the long view of that and – as much as their consternation of like, oh, the start, the start's so important. To me, it's it's what's best for the player too. And can you get by if you're rotating these minutes? Can you get by with Noah Juleson playing 13 minutes? And and I think that's exactly it. Uh, and we'll continue the, the discussion on Cole McWard. But Vic, before we do that, what are the people saying to our Dunbar Lumber text in box six fifty six fifty? Get those texts in. Uh, Grenour is saying I'm so confused what this team's defense pairing and what they could look like. Uh, it, look, a lot of it is going to be determined by what they make that decision on the sixth D man. Uh, if it is McWard or Jolson. Where Irwin and Willand are going to slot? I think we kind of see a spot where Willand maybe get sent back to the AHL. Uh, but interesting spot. This one, Owen and Burnaby. Curious on your thoughts on Ratu tonight. I didn't seem to notice him watching on the stream. Uh, I'd say disappointed is a strong word because I mean, I you know when they sent these guys down, Ratu, Sassen who came up, and Baines and these guys, it really seemed like they they got sent down and that was it. So them coming up was, was clearly just to play a game here. So, it's, you know, it's not like expectations were high. But I, I didn't really – he wasn't quite as good as he was in his previous preseason Yeah, we, we talked pregame where, hey, he's going to be playing with uh, uh, Hoaglander and Besser, so he's got an opportunity to, to show some flash. A couple of moments, um, puck off the wall, right. moving the play along. Again, the things that we've seen now on the goal, the game-winning goal – uh, has a little trouble handling the puck, coughs it up, winds up being the coughs it up right to the shooter, right. who gets the rebound that Tolvin and gets to absolutely uncork on. That's like a, a sniper's dream coming downhill and rebound with a goalie out of the way. And he he made sure it was going to go in the net and oh, go yeah. through the net. He put everything he had into that. Uh, again, obviously that one is a, a tough one, but in general, yeah. I would say more of the same, but then the the obvious error, the obvious error at the end. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. All right, uh, we are going to get to more of your text messages. Six fifty, six fifty. We'll hit them on the other side. Plus, we're, we are going to head hear from head coach Rick Tockett. That's next on the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Canucks lose two one in Abbotsford against Seattle. Right here on Sports at six fifty. Now more of the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion. Text us at 650-650 or call us at 604-280-0650. This is the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Bjorkstrand mishandles it near side. Ratu tying him up. It squirts free to the right circle. For Flurry with a shot pick. Rebound. Tolman and scores! Casey DeSmith made the initial save, but Ellie Tolvanen was wide open to the left circle. Hammers his third of the preseason against the Canucks into the back of the net. And Seattle leads again. It's 2-1 to one with 7.31 left in the third. This line has just been consistently dangerous all night long against the Vancouver Canucks. 
Canucks lose 2-1 in Abbotsford against the Seattle Kraken. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar. Keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, Bic, let's get, let's get a couple in, and then we are going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett and hear, hear his thoughts on this game. Uh, this one, why don't we put Hronik with Quinn and put Susie with Cole in the second and trade for a third pairing D-man. That's something we did talk about in the pregame show as well and on Canucks Central earlier on in the day. Uh, this one from Leaf. Uh, Canucks need to put in a regular season effort to win in preseason. Yeah, sure I don't know if that's that a way. jokes per 60 or if that's a, a true <laughs> statement from Leaf. Uh, and this one, is it just preseason or do you see similar patterns to previous years with lackluster preseason bleeding into the regular season? I wouldn't say I see similar patterns in terms of last year because last year there was just a lot of things completely off. Mm-hmm. Like they, they clearly have a plan with how they want to play and they do have structure like we mentioned before and how they're playing. But they're having a very hard time, at least their secondary players, in being able to dictate tempo and being able to have a consistent forecheck and create quality scoring chances. They did outshoot Seattle, Seattle 22-15. They had the better roster than Seattle, and they were, I think, the team that controlled the game better. But Seattle, I think, played with a lot of energy, and I think it made it hard for Vancouver outside the last couple minutes where they had a flurry of chances late to really contain create good chances and sustain pressure because Seattle was just outworking them to pucks, outworking them in situations in certain stances. But I don't see the same type of pattern in terms of not knowing what they're doing on the ice, guys trying to do other people's jobs, and they're just being something completely flat about the team. Because when we saw them together against the Edmonton yeah. squad, they looked pretty good for those final two periods. Uh, I, I can't actually believe I'm about to do this, so... Tell me to pull up if if, if I start right. uh, screwing this up. But my whole, like like preseason, there was a lot of warning signs here, right? Yeah. But don't forget, like they they started that game against Edmonton with a three nothing lead, right? Like they as, did. As, yeah. as far as the immediate, I don't know, like the start was so bad, oh five and two, and it's right. But the way that that game actually started, they had a three nothing lead, and we sat there like, wow, you got McDavid. It it, it happens sometimes. Yeah. You, you just get McDavid. McDavid did. McDavid, yeah. McDavid just takes over sometimes. And he had four points in that game. The power play for the Oilers converted a couple, and then they get the shorthanded. But they did have a 3 nothing lead. Yes. And it was like it was 14 shots in the first period for the Canucks. And we thought, like, wow, Pedersen looks amazing. He's going to score all these goals this year. And they had a 3 nothing lead. And then they go to Philly, and they had a 2 nothing lead in that game. They, again, they end up losing 3-2. But... They they looked okay relative to what like two losses obviously, yeah. but it was like okay like if it was just a generic loss you'd say it happens but because it was like stacked with o five and two and you see the thousand yard stare from some guys on the bench after o four and one it was like oh, well, what's going on here the the worrying signs in preseason didn't immediately carry over in minute one of game one. They they did have a three nothing lead that has to be part of the conversation. So even with this year, do I think that this is troubling like last year? No. So I do think that there's a chance to look good come October 11th. Yeah. Even if the result you're looking at it in two one Seattle's and an inferior squad, I, I still think there's a chance that they look good in the start of the preseason. Yeah. Or sorry, start of the regular season. Well, you certainly hope so. And they have one tune up game coming up before the regular season, and that is Friday against the Calgary Flames at Rogers Arena. All right, that's some of our thoughts about the game so far. Here is head coach Rick Tockett after a two one loss in Abbotsford. Second and third, I thought we uh, controlled play. Like the effort, guys really worked hard. 
you know, we had some chances. A couple of guys had some empty net goals we got to put in, but uh, I thought for the most part, didn't give them much. I don't know how many shots they had there for a while, but uh, they, they capitalized on the chance they had at the end. You talked about the staples of your game, especially defensively. Did you see that particularly in those last two periods? Yeah, yeah. I thought we hold the fort pretty good. Like, there was some good structure there. Um, guys were trying to do the things we were asking. So, yeah, I, I, like I said, I like the effort. Rick, was this always the plan to call guys back up to play in, in this game tonight? Yeah, guys like Baines, Rats, those guys could be call-ups if we have injuries. So it's good to get those guys one more look before the uh, before the season. If Suter gets put in an offensive role, and I guess in a pinch somewhere down the line, I mean, if need be, what, what do you think is that? Yeah, just uh, in case things go down, you know, can he, you know, that's why we acquired him. You know, he can play up and down the lineup. So, um, you know, I thought uh, he did okay tonight. Do you like the penalty kill and his role in it tonight? Well? Yeah, penalty kill was good. I think I, I've, the penalty kill the last three, four games has been really good. That's one good thing. Um, you know, but we, we, you know, it's, we're on the wrong side of the penalties all the time, so we got to clean that up. Different challenge from McWard tonight, playing most of the game with Griezmann. How do you think he reacted? Yeah, he, he was okay. Uh, I felt he was a little nervous at certain times, yeah. uh, but he was okay. You know, I think that uh, for the most part, he held his own like our D. I, th- I thought our D were pretty good. I think obviously we got to. I thought we had some possession time offensively, but we got to start getting pucks through, and that's like the next level is, you know, can we get some, some goals from there? But, you know, obviously, Seuss getting that goal with, with a screen is that that's the sort of stuff we're looking for. What did you think of his game tonight? Because early he seemed to have some defending problems. Who's that? Susie, a couple of times, a couple of shifts, they got hemmed in, not maybe playing the guy physically, but he seemed to rebound as the game went on. Yeah, I thought the, yeah, the first five, I felt we weren't, uh, we weren't skating with a puck and we weren't talking, you know. That's the big thing when you know what's going on, you're, you're yelling. Time, reverse, right up, and sometimes we're a quiet team. We, you got to, you got to verbal that stuff, and that helps people. So I think maybe a couple times he, he didn't hear anybody. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll work on that stuff. Another viewing of Atu Ratu for you. I know you saw a little bit of him in the playoffs last year, but it looks like he's changed a lot through the offseason, just with how he's moving on the ice. Yeah, he's really, uh, like from last time, last year saw him over the summer, he's really improved. He was a, a pleasant surprise. You know, he's got uh, you know some more runway here he becomes an NHL player, but he's getting closer and closer. I like his tenacity. You know, he's got a lot of tenacity, and uh, he's a hard worker. He brought some of these guys up, and Puck wasn't one of them. Uh, is he just that much farther away than the ones you did call up? No, it's just like, you know, if he plays good, you guys say he should be up. If he plays bad, you guys say he's a bust. Like, he can't win in these situations. He's going to be in Abbotsford, and he can just work on his game. That's the thought process. You know, he doesn't, you know, yeah, you could have played him, but there's always, I'm not saying you would have said that. I'm just saying. Um, I'm just <laughs> saying. Terrifying. Yeah, no, you, know, you know what I mean. No, it's just, it's you know, let him relax down here. You know, like I keep saying, he's got a great coach to play under. Let him get his feet and, uh, you know, get his head together. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's a bull, and he's a, he's a big prospect for us. 100%. What was the explanation for the penalty call at the end of the game? That was me. That was my fault. I thought Tanif, well, he did. He left his feet on, a, on, a, on the charge. It was a charge, and I thought he left his feet, and um, I wasn't too happy with it. I, I can't. You know, regular season, I probably wouldn't, you know, you know, I want to give our team a chance. I shouldn't take that penalty, but I was pissed at the ref and should have kept my mouth shut, but it won't happen again, put it that way. <laughs> You got one preseason game to go on Friday night. I assume you'll dress yeah. more NHL veterans. 
what do you want to see? What do you need to see to, just to wrap up the preseason? Well, just bearing down. Like, you know, we, we got to get some offense for some guys. You know, um, you know, there's some chances around the net. You know, body get, get body position and put it in. I think sometimes we're taking things for granted. Oh, oh I got it. But, you know, you got to bear down. And even on those empty, there's a couple of times there's empty nets. You got to hit the net. We've had a tough time this camp hitting the net. Um, so um, that's something we'll work on. I thought we were better in the paint, though. Like, we, we talked about it. Mikey O put a little uh, video together about getting people in the net. I thought we were a lot better at the net, going to the net tonight. So that, that's, a, that's a positive for us. That's Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 2-1 loss here in Abbotsford. And, you know, he was mentioning late they had some opportunities in key areas, but they just didn't get to those pucks. Like we mentioned before, Seattle was the inferior team, but they were outworking Vancouver in key situations and key areas. And that's ultimately how they only allowed one goal and ended up winning the game. But the coach overall, however, did like the performance they had tonight. Yeah, you know, mentioned a couple of empty net chances. I think he's referencing the, the rebound sequence in the yes. second period. Uh, you can convert those different game all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, again, there was patterns of play. And it, it, it's funny to see in nights when, like, they, they pick up a loss and, you know, he's got optimistic elements to what he saw. Because we, we, we referenced the last game. Um a couple of games before, he was like, yeah, if we just get a couple of these pucks yeah. uh, Pass, off the boards yeah. early, like we got chances on two-on-ones, and, and like those are your goal-scoring opportunities. And then sure enough, on the weekend, what do we see? Brock Besser fires this pass rank-wide, and suddenly they're through two-on-one. PDG flips it over to mm-hmm. uh, Queen Hughes, and there's your goal. And so even tonight, it's like, hey, we got the puck towards the net. And yeah, they, they, they certainly did. Like, Pew Suter had the chance in the first period on a net jam. Multiple other players did. Hoaglander created a chance uh, just out of sheer will. Pavilier had the one chance. Yeah, and, and so there were moments that you look at and say, okay, that, that those were there. Um, it, and he's right, look. Bear down your chances. Suddenly you're looking at a 4-1 game instead yeah. of 2-1 the other way. So those are the patterns where I said, like, there were chances, even if it's low event. Uh, there were chances. They just didn't convert tonight. And with pure play-driving style players, uh, do you change that? Now, the thing that we talked about, though, is, you know, did Besser have a night where he's play-driving? Because Manko. Right. And you can say, well, they're not really playing driving guys, You'd think I'd be able to do it against the lineup Seattle had tonight. No, I mean, and that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, not the biggest thing. That's part of kind of the issue, but it is the preseason as well. You're not sure. expecting a guy to go like a hundred miles but an I, hour. But I would but still expect you to 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 dominate over Cole Lind and Gustav Olafsson. Well, Seattle, you know, as much as you know, we can talk about how Seattle does lack some of the overall high end talent with the organization. Still, despite the fact, you know, they they have a strong team. The one thing they have as an organization instilled in them is hard work and playing with structure to their game and, and having, like, the expectation is very high for how they need to play, right? And they show up every night and play very hard, right? Like, I think they have that instilled. And they play with speed. They have fast players. But even, like, Colton's not the fastest guy, mm-hmm. you know, and, but they play with a lot of tenacity to them. And that's instilled in them as an organization. For sure. And... It, it, you know, does it bleed from your your NHL club to your AHL club? We know that they had success last year yeah. uh, in the AHL as well. So that's that roster mirroring that if someone goes down, we're going to plug and play, and, and this guy can come up to the pro level uh, or, or the NHL level, and suddenly we're, we're not losing the step because we, we've matched how we play at both yeah. leagues. 
Yeah, and that's something that you still want to aspire to. Um, as far as Vasily Putkolzin was concerned, he did mention that you know, something we talked about pregame is yeah. he needs to just focus on getting better as a player and calling him back up to play in this game after sending him down. I don't think you need to put that into his head and create this discussion even mm-hmm. that around does he have a chance to be on the roster still. No, I, I, I don't recall saying that he'd be a bust. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't say anything about being a bust. But I understand. Yeah, no, just let him focus on playing. It it, it looks odd, and uh, the the reasoning makes sense. I, mean, I, I understand. It, but yeah. it, well, you mean it, it sounds odd because it's an imperfect situation. Mm-hmm. It's a prospect who two years ago had a good rookie campaign, scored was it, 13 goals, looked like he had mm-hmm. something brewing, to taking a step back last year and looking seemingly like he took a bigger step back this year because he made the club out of camp last season. And I want to be clear about this. Like This isn't a positive development. Like You'd rather Vasily put goals right. and be in the lineup. But it is making the best of a bad situation. Absolutely. And, and you know, Rick Talkins mentioned, like even last year, like don't make a, like when you're on the ice, don't make a mistake into the next mistake, into the next mistake. So if you evaluate what his preseason was looking like and training camp and all that, and he's like, hey, we're not really happy. Don't force it. Don't right. make a bad situation worse. Uh, the best situation would have been Vasily Pitkolzin wins a job on the third line or second line even. Uh, that didn't happen. So do what's best for the player. If they evaluate what's best for the player is go down and work on your game. Again, reference it. He's a bull. He loves that bull reference when it comes to Vasily Pitkolzin. Yeah. They see something in him. I think we all see something in him. So what's best for the player Work in your game. Exactly. And just let him focus on that for a few months and kind of see where you're at at that stage. Now, uh, the other player that we've been discussing a lot is Cole McWard, who had a nice showing here tonight in Abbotsford against the Canucks. And he did meet with the media post game, and he's been, you know, the big topic of conversation in these parts recently. And here he is handling questions about his performance, but also what it's like to be in the spotlight. Uh, you know, I thought as a team we worked hard tonight. Um, I think that, you know, there's, there's just details and stuff that we got to clean up um, and just battles. And, and, and I think personally, too, is, is uh, pretty similar for me, too. Uh, you know, there's some plays I wish I could have back there, but um, at the same time, just, just trying to learn from them. You know, the puck comes down and then, you know, just making a hard play on it. So uh, just, you know, trying to dial it in for the last few practices here and see what happens moving forward and, uh, you know, just, just try to get better. Seattle always seems to come with a pretty aggressive forecheck. How good is that to prepare you for potentially NHL games this year playing against something like that? Yeah, that was something we talked about all night. You know, um, they come hard and, uh, you know, just they're, they're really uh, aggressive on that forecheck. So, um, you know, just being able to move the puck quick and make simple plays around that, um, both for myself and just as our team, uh, is going to be something playing them or playing anybody, um, you know, that's going to help with us. So. For sure, that's uh, that's a big piece moving forward. You didn't have Hughes tonight, but you had Maurice Bow. What was the challenge in being paired with him most of the night? Oh, I wouldn't say it's a challenge at all. He's uh, he's a great player, and um, you know, loved playing with him tonight. Um, thought he helped me a lot too, and just talking to me and um, uh, you know, like I said, anybody I'm going to play with here is going to help me out and um, and just show me the ropes. And um, he, you know, he's a great player, and he can move the puck well, and he can defend hard. So. Uh, you know, I was happy to play with him. You had the beaver tail going tonight, too. Is that part of confidence, wanting the puck? And yeah, I think that's just part of my game. I think that's okay. something i got to get out because, you know, coaches have always kind of told me to stop doing that, and <laughs> I think it's just a bad habit. So, yeah, for sure, just uh, maybe use my voice a little bit more. There's one preseason game left. What have you made of your time here and your progress? 
Um, you know, just everyone I'm talking to, it, it, it's been a great experience so far. Um, it's helped me build confidence and it's helped me grow as a player. Um, regardless of what happens, you know, uh, I, I've gotten experience in games playing against some of these great players and, and in practice playing and taking reps against, you know, all, all these great players on the team too. So uh, regardless of what happens, it's, it's been a great opportunity for me. But, you know, obviously we're all here to make the team and uh, I would love to be here. So uh, I'm just trying to work as hard as I can. Once you get this deep, Right, this close to the final preseason game, to, to final cuts, does it impact your preparation on a day like today? Like, is it something where, you know, going into the night, it's like I, I can have fun and see how far I can push this? Um, I think there's a bit of nerves involved with it. You know, like you're so close, but at the same time, so far, you know, uh, you you got to do everything right, and um, and I think just for me, I'm just trying to treat everything like a normal game. Um, you know, like, I think the best advice I got last year when I got here was that it's just hockey. So just trying to, you know, like, keep my head up and, and play with confidence and try to have the same poise that I play with as a player and, and just, uh, you know, build on my game. And then, uh, you know, the adjustment process and everything will kind of follow up and, and uh, the little details and everything can get cleaned up as we go. Do you have to be conscious of staying in the moment and not either looking back and being like, hey, it's cool that I've done this and, and also not looking forward and sweating yeah. seven hours. Yeah, it's, you know, just being present, enjoying um, where I'm at right now, enjoying the opportunity that I'm in, enjoying the guys that I'm with. So, um, yeah, I think that right now I'm just trying to be as present as I can. When you came into training camp, could you have anticipated getting this type of opportunity or was it something you kind of envisioned that you were going to be in the preseason this far, this close to making the uh, I Honestly, I didn't come in with any sort of expectations for myself. I know that sounds crazy. I just came in and, you know, I didn't know what pro hockey was going to exactly be like. I didn't know where I was going to line up with everybody. Um, I knew I worked hard this summer and I, I knew that, um, you know, I was going to have a good attitude and work hard as, every day at the rink. And, um, you know, it, it's good to be in this situation, but also, um, you know, like you saw tonight, there's just some stuff that, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to work on. So um, definitely, like, just growth mindset for everything moving forward. And, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, no expectations coming in. But uh, and don't want to say exactly happy with everything right now. But, um, you know, it, it is a great opportunity. And, um, you know, I am super thankful for, for the position I'm in. Have you gotten any feedback on what's gotten to this point? Is there something that you'll have drawn from the last three weeks to a month and try to hone in on perfect, uh, keep working on the to Yeah, I think it's just being mindful and, and knowing how fast the game is. Um, just as a defenseman trying to play through the middle, uh, they talk to me about you make your pass and your first three strides are up the ice and through the middle and and also just gapping up on guys and you know not playing back not playing reserve but um, you know playing more aggressive defense and and usually that ends up putting you in better positions when you get the puck so um, I think just sticking with that and and thinking about that and being mindful when I'm on the ice to do that has there been anything specific that the coaching staff has gone this is why you're still here um you know, I think that uh, they haven't really told me, you know, exactly why, you know, uh, you know what they're what they're seeing or why. I think that you know, just overall, that uh, I've worked hard and just tried to make the most of my opportunities, and um, you know, I'm grateful that, that that they're seeing that too. 
and um, you know, and just trying to keep showing them that. That is. Canucks defenseman Cole Ward after his performance tonight. And, you know, like Batch told us when he came back from the media scrum, a very humble young man. Yeah. But also you confident. Know, you know, we, we've mentioned this before, and especially after Ian Cole interviews, um, there's a thoughtfulness to a lot of the players that this regime has recruited and brought in um, that I, I think they're going to be a very, again, I say likable as a personality trait. Ultimately, wins are going to dictate whether right. fans are like these people. But I think there's going to be a lot of people that understand the players a lot more. Because there's no ambiguity in some of these quotes. Right. They're, they're telling you what they think. Yeah. And that honesty is going to prevail for a lot of people. You, you still got to go win hockey games, of course. But that is a very thoughtful uh, interview uh, on a night for Cole McWard where he's sitting there like battling for spots. It'd be easy just to be like, yeah, man, we competed. Pucks yeah. off glass. It'd be really easy just to protect yourself and say nothing. But there he is. Like, like that's a honest player right there. Yeah. And, and, and showing a little vulnerability in the moment. Saying things like growth mindset. Yeah, that's fantastic. If he broke out servant leadership, yeah. I'd say give him the C. <laughs> no, him, him and Quinn Hughes, the leadership pairing. The leadership. Well, I mean, maybe it is. I mean, Ohio State University, and he's a guy who didn't want to come out necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like Canucks had to like sell him on coming out of college and, and joining the organization. And ultimately, like like we mentioned before, What's best for him is probably to be in Abbotsford for a while, and I think he understands that even based on what he answered, how he answered the questions and talked about what he's learned from this, and more more importantly, getting the confidence. But I think it'd be great for him to be able to have that growth mindset in Abbotsford with what he's kind of learning now and the confidence he has from it to really let him launch into a bigger role. But, you know, the team wants to get off to a good start. He has clearly been better than any of the other options. Now, notably, Noah Juleson did not make the trip to Abbotsford, mm-hmm. which we all kind of found a little bit strange, unless they were going to play him on Friday. So I think we'll, we'll obviously going to find out, because I think Friday's game, one way or another, is the final dress rehearsal. Like The guys who play in that game are playing next Wednesday against Edmonton. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no more... Um Oh, is this guy fighting for this last spot? Like, I, I think you'd really have to screw up. Yes, you have to on, really on lose Friday. It. Yeah, you have to really lose um, on Friday. But if if you're playing on Friday, it's yours to lose, basically. Now, the only thing that could get in the way of that is, let's say McWard does play, mm-hmm. and then some addition happens between now and Wednesday, whether it's waivers sure, or yes. small trade. I mean, that would be the only thing that you would kind of say would get in the way of that. And I know Keith was texting into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Why wouldn't we uh, why wouldn't they play a full roster? Why, why did they wait until the final game? They did have the full roster, essentially, uh, against Edmonton on a Saturday. Yeah, we're just talking about like rotating a couple of depth yeah. guys in and out. But uh, So Miller would play three. PD would play three. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, three games for me for if you're a vet. 
That's all I really need to see. Yeah, I think you're fine with that. Yeah. So uh, I don't think it's going to be anything extra that they need. I mean, Quinn Hughes looked fantastic. How many more games does Quinn Hughes need? Well, Keep him fresh for October 11th. He's got two. He's got three goals in, uh, in two preseason yeah. games. I mean, the kid's on a heater. All right. We'll see if you can translate that to regular season uh, wins. Never get up from the table on a heater. <laughs> Never. Uh, Jay and Moody sends in his thoughts. Ronick is solid. It can be creative with, and with Hughes. Could be one of the most elite duos in the league. Uh, Myers looked more stable with reduced minutes, and I thought he played well with Breeze Boy and Willannon. I placed Cole on his offside as a seasoned vet and have Susie on his strong side for a balanced duo. Duo. That's Jay and Moody. A, a Susie Myers pairing. I know I talked about it in the preseason or pregame. I, I, I just want to see it. I don't know if it'll work, but yeah. I just think for entertainment purposes, I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so too. I think I have I had a lot of, uh, I, I think I had a good time watching that. I yeah. really would. But it could be a lot of chaos too. Uh, Carson Susie tonight. I thought he had a tough first period. Resilient, I would say, tonight. Yes. And there was, particularly in the third period, there was a sequence of three plays and it was alongside the blue line and he stood up Seattle each mm-hmm. time. It was either with a hit or he played a stick well and he got the puck out each time. You're waiting to see certain moments where he can win and have an impact and I thought... Plus the PK early the PK, in the... He was also yep. very good. Um, I thought he struggled with some of his puck movement, moving in the first especially but I did think as the game went on he got better. He had the goal of course which that's one of the strengths of his game is getting that shot off. He's not going to be this fleet puck mover or this puck rusher really or anything, but once he get into the offensive zone, if he can get his shot off, and it wasn't his clapper, which is the one that, you know, is the more dangerous weapon, but he knows how to get a shot on goal, and you saw that on the on the goal he did score today. The Canucks lone tally this evening. Uh, the phrase we used a bit here, net positive. Yes. Ultimately, Carson Soucy, I, I know there were moments, but he ends up as a net positive uh, this evening, which is massive yeah. uh, for a player. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, and that brings us pretty much to the end of the show. Any final thoughts you have here for the Canucks preseason game in Abbotsford? Let's get to the real dress rehearsal. I know, that, yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I, out of tonight, what translates into uh, the the regular season? Pew Suter. Like, yeah. that, that guy's going to be some fun, man. It, as far as like Bluger and Suter were thinking, like, hey, the depth centers. I think Suter was m- maybe one of the Canucks' more active yeah. forwards tonight, but not like busy. No, no, no he wasn't a busy player. When yeah. I say when I say I, when I call player active, I mean yeah. he's making a like he's he's activated and making yeah. a, an actual impact. But what busy seen, is yeah. like guys like Brendan Leipzig. Yeah, at times even Josh Levo, you're very busy. Yeah. But what are you doing with all the busyness? I was, I was using a phrase that I, I know you you admonish players you know, with the I, busy yeah. term. I, I love the I, I hate the term busy because it's not a good term for a player. <laughs> but no, I, I do think he was he was he was very effective. And he, and he I mean he he has a certain quality to his game because he's an everyday center in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy thing to be. I mean, it's one thing to be a bottom six player who's in and out of the lineup, but if you're an everyday center in the NHL, you know what you're doing, and I think he's kind of showing that. He, he was the one that, that, that kind of excited me. If you're looking for someone that kind of drove a line to some degree, quote-unquote, uh, he's the one I would look at and say, I, I'm excited to see what he looks like uh, come opening night on October 11th. And even during the season, we were just saying kind of in the break, um, like there's going to be nights when like Andre Kuzmenko's not going, and maybe he yeah. does a spin that Rick talks like, ah, oh, another spin. He, or, or, you know, just one of those nights where it's like, oh, Kuzmenko's spinning tonight. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put Pew Suter there. Because yeah. now there's a, a viable scoring option. Like last year, 
It was, it, was, it was tough to be like, I guess we're putting Connor Garland up there. And I mean, that's how we sneeringly kind of looked at Fielder Giuseppe, but he's been able to show at least, you know, a yeah. quality that makes you at least go along with it so far. And you're at least hoping for something like that, but even greater. But uh, we'll see ultimately what happens. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, listening to the show. We appreciate it. And we look forward to the next game, which is Friday against Calgary. And after that, we'll be back to the regular season. And once we get to the regular season, Vic, we're back to two-hour post-game shows. And we'll be here all evening long chatting Canucks with you. But thanks for listening tonight. Appreciate all the feedback on the, on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox as well. Thanks to Cam Barra, our producer here on site. And thanks to... Fast Eddie Gregory back at the radio station. For Bick Nazar, I'm Satyar Shah. This is the Canucks Center Post Game Show on Sports in the 650.